But we've been talking about our mission as a church. Like, who are we? Like, what identifies us as a church body, Christ Community Church in Crawford, Nebraska? And I said the message or the, the mission that God laid on my heart was that we would love God and we would love people. Last week, we looked at the reality of loving God. Uh, we looked at the reality that God says, and we can just look at these verses just quickly. Um, last week, we talked about the reality of loving God. And God says that to love him, because this is what he asked us to do. It's a, it's a weird thing. He said, Jesus in John chapter 14, we read several times, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll do what I ask you to do. And, and Jesus, when he was asked by the religious leader, what's the greatest of all the commandments? So, you know, for us, like the simplicity is, God says, if you love me, obey my commands. Jesus gives us this clue as to the command that we should all obey. In Mark chapter 12, the most important one, answered Jesus, is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. So, so if we're going to love God by obeying what he commands, his commandment to us is to love him. We talked about that to love God, we probably should reflect on how he's loved us. That's what we did at communion, and that produces love from us. So we look at how he loved us first, and then we can show his love. Um, but, but then today is the one that I don't think sometimes we like. I think loving God, that one's an easy one. Because he's perfect, he's infallible. Today we talk about loving people. And for some of us, this is the one that can be a little bit challenging. For some of us, this is the message that can be a little bit uncomfortable, can be a little bit hard. Loving God is easy because he's there and and he does stuff. I just worked. Good, thank you. Loving people, for us, can be really difficult. So today what we're going to do, my plan for our service now that everything is working, we're going to do kind of a synopsis. We're going to kind of go through the book of, of 1 John. Remember, we read John's words in the gospel where he's talking about love. But he wrote some epistles. In the, they come later in the gospels or later in the Bible. And we're going to look at the first letter he wrote, 1 John. And when we look at this, we're going to see this theme of love. Um, God or John really talks about the theme of loving people quite a bit in his, in his epistle, 1 John. So before we spend time in that, we need to know what it is. Like I mentioned, it's a letter. It's a letter that John wrote. And John wrote it. It doesn't have like a direct reference to a person. So like Paul would write to the church in Thessalonica. Or we see these letters that are addressed to a specific people or person. The first letter of John, it's just a, it's a, it's a generic epistle or a generic letter that was sent to several churches thought to be in the region of Ephesus where John was. And John is hearing, he's witnessing some issues that are happening in the church. And I tell you what, 1 John is a challenging letter because he's like black and white. So if you're a black and white person, you love 1 John, but if you're not, it can be really, really uncomfortable. He uses lots of contrasts in his writing. He'll write about light and darkness and, and life and death and, and wickedness and righteousness. And, and so he's just black and white. And why is he this way? Because he's seen something that's going on in the church. In the churches of Ephesus, there's something, there's a problem that he's addressing. And if you read this letter and some of the, the later ones, he talks about antichrists or false prophets that are coming against the body. 
And these antichrists or false prophets were actually people who were in the body that left the church. So John is writing to deal with the issue of separation. And the people who have left are distorting the truth. So John has to speak in absolutes. He can't hint this way or that way. He's got to speak with absolutes in what he says. So he says some words that sound a little bit familiar to what he said in, in the Old Testament or in his, in his gospel. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. So there again, what did John say? Jesus, in, in his gospel, he wrote, if you love me, keep my commands. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a stark truth. There's truth and there's a liar. You're one or the other. See, these people needed discernment to recognize what was truth. We talked about discernment a few weeks ago in our message. They had to be able to to listen to what people were saying and know which one was truth. And so John's saying, if you want to test, you look at a person. The people of God know God. If they know God, they're going to do what God asks them to do. They're going to keep his commands. But if anyone does not do what he commands, he's a liar and the truth is not in that person. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in must live as Jesus did. Then he continues. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one. So I think this this phrase resonates with them. The old command that Jesus reminded them that I just read from Mark. It also reminds them of the one that we read in Deuteronomy that Jesus was quoting when he, when he spoke in Mark. That was a command that Moses had when the law came. I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is this message that you've heard. Yet I'm writing a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. There's contrast, dark and light. Anyone who claims to be in the light, here's his new truth, but hates his brother or sister, lives, lives is still in the darkness. You hear that? So he's taking what Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. And he's saying, here's that second part of that command, that old command that we talked about, loving God and loving people. If you don't do the second part, you haven't got the first part. He's pretty tough in what he says. Anyone who loves their brother and sister and still lives, lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They don't know where they're going because darkness has blinded them. I'm telling you, this command to love people. What John is saying in his letter, and we'll see this continually throughout this epistle, is that our degree, our measure of love for people is an indicator of our relationship with God. Like how well we love people really shows how well we're loving God. I mean, for John, it's a distinguisher in in your relationship. He's looking at people who have left the church, who are trying to tear down others, and he's saying they don't have love in them. Look at their lives. Their lives aren't showing fruit. And because their lives aren't showing fruit, you know that they don't have a relationship with God. But then when we look at this book like a mirror and we say to ourselves, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Man, it's a command of God that we love 
people. You know, we think the Old Testament covenant is hard. You know, the idea that we can't have bacon and, and, and all those things that the dietary laws and, and the restrictions and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to cut our hair and, and the things that we can't do. We think those are hard. But I tell you what, Jesus made it all much more complicated when he simplified it into loving God and loving people. Because you think the Old Testament is hard, love people. You think the Old Testament law is hard, love people. Like, without any conditions. Without any, without any modifications, just, just love people. You talk about a hard law, a hard thing for, for people to keep in us. His command is for us to love people. But how? I'm telling you, if you just hear the word today that pastor says that we have to love people, we're going to fail. Because if we try to do it out of, out of obligation, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the reality uh, there are people in life that are hard to love. I told people at prayer the other day, I'm sure for someone I'm the person that's hard to love. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about my wife right now, hopefully. But for someone, I'm hard to love. There are people in our lives that are hard to love. And you want to make yourself crazy, you tell yourself, I'm going to love them. And you, you try to love them. And you try to force yourself to love them. Yeah, you might get there eventually, but I'm telling you, it's a hard row to tell because you're trying to do it out of yourself. So how, how do we love people? Well, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is in this epistle. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. How do we love as we recognize this very fact? We recognize through communion the blood of Jesus Christ and the identity that's come through that. We recognize the love. I love this because it doesn't just say that that God sprinkled on us or he just gave us a little bit. It says that he lavished on us. See how great, not just see the love, but see how great the love is that the Father has lavished on us, that he should call us children of God. He's given us identity, and that is who we are. We are his children. I'm not going to love people until I recognize God's love for myself. You hear what I'm saying? Those, those commandments came in order. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the next is love your neighbor as yourself. We must start with loving people with the reality that God loves us. We must cultivate the relationship that we have with God, understanding his love for me and me responding to his love for me by loving him. And then when we recognize his love for us, amen, that's good preaching. When we recognize his love for us, we can show his love to others. In my notes I wrote, our love for others comes through understanding of his love for us. 1 John chapter 3 continues. This is how we know that who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Black and white. Children of God. Children of the devil. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. This is some of the hard points in Scripture. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. You know, when we read First John, sometimes we read when he's talking about sin in these chapters and he says if anyone 
is in sin or keeps on saying they don't have a relationship with God and we struggle with that. He's saying the same thing here, but he's also equating it to the one who doesn't love their brother and sister. He's taking that measure even further because, again, we've got to honor him by obeying his commands. And his command is that we would love people. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. Who should love one another? We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous, evil and righteousness. But don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. John is identifying our love for others as an indicator of our relationship with Christ. He's saying if you want to look for something in people, don't look at how they're, quote, loving God. For him, he's worried about more how they're loving people. Because if someone doesn't love people, then what does he call them? He calls them a murderer, for crying out loud. I mean, we're talking extremes here. If you don't love people, if you hate them in your heart, then you're, a, you're just like a murderer. And what happens to a murderer? We don't, have a tra- we don't have problems comprehending the fate of murderers, right? Apart from repentance. But for us, he's saying that if someone hates his brother or sister, they're like a murderer. Our love is an identifier for our relationship with God. He's modeled it to us. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And? And? We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. When James read this letter, he said, Amen. Remember, James was the guy that was about faith uh, and works, and he talks about works are the expression of your faith. Like there's, you should watch for, for works for someone's faith. I mean, this is what John is saying. He's saying that that if you love someone, you ought to do what? How far does he take this? Jesus did what for you? He died. You ought to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. You talk about, a again, I say, John's words, he's extreme. This is a hard one for us to comprehend. What does it mean to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters? Well, he's, he says, well, maybe that's too extreme. So he says, well, if you have material possessions and you see a brother or sister in need and you don't have pity on them, like you're not even willing to give your excess, let alone your, your life. Let's start with, with the excess. Let's start with what, what you have, what, what you know you've got. But you don't have pity. How can the love of God be in that person? Let's not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. You know, it's easy sometimes. You know, as parents, you'll get there, Luke, when their kids get a little bit older and they get into a fight and you bring them together and you you talk through what just happened and you tell one they have to apologize to the other. 
You know what I'm talking about? Words versus action and truth. I'm sorry. Or if you say, unless you apologize, you can't watch that show. Don't even look them in the eye. Look at the ground. I'm sorry. And then run to the TV because they did what you asked them to do. You know, it's one thing to say that we love people. It's one thing for us to to say that, that we're loving brothers and sisters in Christ. But it's a whole different reflection when it's our actions and it's our truth. This is who we are. This is our identity. I will say one of my, my prideful things as a pastor, this is a good thing, not, not, not a bad prideful thing, is, is the way people talk about the body of Christ here, our church body, that we genuinely love each other. I mean, you hear that when, when people talk about our church, that there's love that they feel from one another. And it's not just because when we come in every day, we say, I love you. I love you, Joe. It's good to see you today. I mean, it's not the way we greet each other. I'm not so sure I, the last time I told Joe to his face I loved him. You know what I mean? Like, but I think Joe knows I love him. Because it's verified in actions and in truth. It's one thing to say I'm sorry, but it's a whole other thing to repent. It's one thing for God to say, for God so loved the world. But it's a whole other thing that he gave his son. That whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's something in the actions and truth. And John is saying in these people, in the body of Christ, I'm seeing some who are saying something, but their lives aren't reflecting what they're saying. And their lives are telling a story that's different than their lips. Look at their lives and stop listening to their lips. What about your life? What about that indicator in you? What is your life saying and what are your lips saying? In my notes, I put pause. This is where it gets challenging. I can't love someone simply because God tells me to. I can't just say I love them when my actions show something else. This is where faith needs to be expressed. This is where the love of God needs to come through us. So again, how do I love? Chapter 4. John, this is only like five or six chapters, and I'm telling you, he's talking about loving your neighbor, loving your brother and sister all over. Dear friends, dear friends, not friends, I don't know what those are, let us love one another. Why? Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how he showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, listen to what he says. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
You see, when God commands us to love others, he's not telling us to produce something inside of us, to manufacture something in ourselves, but I believe he's telling us to reflect the love that he's demonstrated to us. We love why? Because God loved us first. You know what? When I try to force myself, I talked about that to love someone, I can't. But when I recognize it's God in me and God through me, it's not me loving them, but it's God's love for them coming from me. It lifts the burden of that commandment. My life is the reflection of the love of God. So when I see someone, it's not that, oh man, I have to love them. It's the love of God that comes from me for them. Recognizing that I too was once a sinner who needed the, who needed the grace of God. That people don't always align with what I say or do. But this person in front of me is a child of God. This person in front of me is someone who God has created with a purpose. They need his love. They need not my love, but they need the love of the Father. No one needs your love. Maybe your spouse, okay, your kids. But I'm telling you, they need the love of the Father. You hear that? If you can give someone something, give them the love that God has given you. We're, I'm going to use this word again next week. We are the conduit. We are the vessel in which his love comes. We love because he loved us first. God has poured his love into us. What does scripture tell us? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, we act. When I'm filled with the love of God, guess what comes from me? I believe this is what John's saying. If you haven't aligned yourself well enough in the love of God, what's coming from you is going to be what's inside of you. And for some of us, that's self. And some of us, that's ugly. But when I'm filled with his love, when I recognize that he is love and it's his love that comes from me, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and do what? We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in God, lives in love, lives in God and God in them. I tell you what, when it comes to loving, loving people, maybe we need to rely on God's love for us. Maybe rather than relying on ourselves or relying on our motives or relying on our agendas, maybe just maybe I need to rely on God's love for me. Because his love is primary. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. John's repeating himself. He's a good pastor. He says it enough times that people might listen to this. For whenever, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Remember what he said before? I'm going to teach you an old command. I'm going to put a little twist on it. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. What Jesus said when he spoke that law, the greatest commandment of them all, he says, the Lord your God is one. Last week we talked about that one word, meaning that the Lord your God is primary. The Lord your God is what comes first. When we count, we start with one. God's love is primary. And what comes after that is, is the result of that 
experience. We go further because we know what he's done for us. And my last point, 1 John chapter 5, and this is where we'll stop. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. Now, it seems like we're turning this around, doesn't it? Listen to what he just said. This is how we know. I talked about how do we know that we're loving people. This is how we know. He said that to love people, you're a child of God. That's how we know we're children of God. This is how we know that we love the children of God. Well, so, so now you just said we're supposed to love people. How are we supposed to know that? Well, he says you love people by loving God and doing what? Carrying out his commands. Well, didn't we start there? Didn't he say that, that, that Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands? We're coming back to this reality that love is the product of relationship with God. Love is the result of obedience to God. Love is the product of understanding the God who loves us. And because he loves us, we have the fear of the Lord that we talked about in Sunday school. And the fear of the Lord causes us to love him more. And if you want to know if you're loving people, then check how you're doing with following God's commands and, 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 and being a child of God, loving God. He's coming back full circle to say the reality is, is, is this. The reality is that old command. You want to know the greatest of all the commandments in all the world. All the law summed up in two things. Love God and love people. And you know what? When you're struggling to love people, I love the end of this because he says, we love God and carry out his commands. He's going to tell you how to love people. He's going to tell you how to show people love. We walk in obedience to him. He'll reveal to us. You know what? I talked about the five love languages. He's probably not going to tell you to love everybody the same way. And he's probably not going to tell you to love everybody the way someone else is loving them. But we listen to his voice. God is sovereign. And when we know that it's his love coming from us, we want to know what he wants us to do with that. And so we listen to him. You know those moments where he says, hey, you probably need to go talk to them. And you're like, nah. You don't know what they did to me yesterday. Like, nah, I got other stuff to do. And he says, hey, hey, they just need someone to go be there. But there's lots of other people, God. You know what I'm talking about? He's saying that true love is listening to my voice and hearing my voice and obeying my commands. Letting God be the one who dictates how to love people. Letting God be the one who dictates what you need to do. How do you express this love? His commands for us are to love God and to love people. I'm going to pray. We're going to have a meal in a second. We're going to have lots of food, and then there's going to be pies, and we'll, we'll have fun with that too. But ultimately, I want to be known as a child of God. Amen? Do you want to be known as a child of God? That starts with the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repentance. But John is saying that is followed, that is indicated by your love for others. Father, this morning in this place, you know our hearts, you know our lives. And God, I pray that, that if we need the love of God, if we need to experience that love of God, that you would show us that love. God, John wrote the words, we love because he loved us first. 
I pray that we would know your love, the love that the Father has lavished on us. And that as we grow in that love of God, as we grow in that relationship with you, Lord, that our hearts, that our mouths, that our actions, that our truth is reflected by who we become in you. That, Lord, that you compel us by the love of Christ to love others. That you compel us by the love that is inside of us to flow from us. Help us to hear your voice and obey your commands. That we would love you and love others. In Jesus' name, amen.